good afternoon, good evening, good morning. This is Nicole BZ, and you know everything. Today, I have a very special interview as part of the Relatable series, where I try and find some of my most favorite people choosing to walk this earth, but the ones that really inspire me because they are towing the line. They are navigating that intersection of creativity, spirituality, and hard fucking work. So today I have Alden Marie, who is, I mean, I'm going to let her tell you her story because I find it absolutely fascinating. Also, so empowering for any woman listening to this, but really for anybody who's kind of trying to figure out how can I create the life, the career, the freedom, the vision, the and the service that really, really inspires me? And how can I also navigate probably one of the most like 3D experiences while also tripping the light fantastic? So with that, Miss Alden, firstly, thank you so much for making the time. I don't even want to think about like what someone might put on your time in terms of monetary value, but I would probably say you're my most expensive podcast guest. <laughs> so. um, I'm flattered. First of all, <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, it's an honor to be here and share my story. Um, I guess I could start with that since yeah, you, uh, that would be, since you I, brought it up. Yeah, I think, and I like, I guess I think everyone has a unique story, but I think your story is pretty fucking awesome. So, yeah. Well, thank you. So, I would say I spent the first half of my life pretty open, actually. I'd always been really open to spirituality and that kind of thing, but I always felt like I was just on this kind of predetermined path of you go to college you get a corporate job, you get married, you have kids. Like I always just felt like that was my path, even though I had these like little tinges of awakening and spirituality that showed up. I was really plugged in to that 3D reality. Yeah. I mean, I always joke around like I was not like the girl, like talking to the fairies and like having visions. Like I I, for the most part, I don't even really remember my early childhood, kind of like until I hit about like double digits when my family had sort of settled finally in Southern California. But I, I can totally relate to that like fairly 3D childhood. But also you kind of like grew up in a, would you say a small town? Yeah, I grew up in Vail, Colorado. But before Vail was super fancy, I like to think. I graduated with about 150 kids in my class, of which I'd known all of them since kindergarten. And so it did feel like a small town. It felt like this beautiful, idyllic childhood. Like my parents were amazing. I had this amazing life. I benefited from, even though my parents weren't rich, like when I was younger, my dad, like I watched him work and create wealth and I never felt like money was an issue. So like I don't have like the trauma that a lot of people have around and those limiting beliefs that I hear like there's not enough money. There was kind of always enough money to do and experience this beautiful life that I had as a child. And then, you know, I just carried that into college. I went to Boulder and that's obviously where my eyes were opened a bit to spirituality, since that's kind of a spiritual woke place. But then after college is where I started to feel like I just kind of had to do what I had always heard my parents describe as like the next step, go get a great job, like go do these things. And I always was early, I feel like in some of what I was able to create, I had this natural ability to manifest. And I think a lot of that was because I didn't have a lot of limiting beliefs around abundance and creation. I think that's one of my gifts. And so I was like, I want to buy a house or I want to buy a, a, an apartment or a condo by the time I'm 21, which I did. I want to have a job where I get to travel and experience corporate in a kind of a fun way. And I did. Worked for a consulting firm out of college. And then I was like, I want to meet it was so funny. I remember this moment too. I was like, I am so sick of dating these dudes that uh, are just uninspiring. I'm ready to just meet that guy that I can marry and settle down with. And I was 22. I don't know what I was thinking, but I attracted that guy into my life who I was married to for 15 years. And actually that was kind of the beginning of going back to sleep. 
I think in my 20s, I had these experiences where I would go and do these meditation retreats and I would read these books or meet these people and have these experiences that kind of woke me up. But I started to get off track, I would say, to where I started to ignore the intuition about some of the things I needed to do and some of those that passed that maybe could have led me to like a higher spiritual timeline. And I just went deeper kind of into the 3D matrix and into that 3D world of like, well, this is what you should do. Or these are the things that you should do that will make you happy. And that was everything from the marriage that although he was an amazing person, we created this amazing life. It didn't have that like deeper meaning. There was always something missing. And I just chose to ignore those signs. And then I was, I'm 29 years old and I was like, I think it's time to have kids. Maybe that'll make me feel like, is that the thing that's missing? And I had two boys. And then all of a sudden at a work conference, nonetheless, I had a rapid spiritual awakening. Kundalini awakening, like the one you guys hear about where the lightning comes, you know, through the top of my head and my entire, like every cell in my body turned on. And it was like the veil was lifted in one moment and I could see my life like from the observer perspective, like, whoa, you did everything by that book from a 3D earth perspective, but it lacks like the mission, the meaning, the depth, the expansion and the growth that your soul came here for. And what was crazy is in that moment, I knew everything would change. I was terrified by it because I knew what I had to do. It was like, bam, like the universe was like, you got so off track and you went so asleep that we had to lightning bolt you awake. And in that process, which many people call like dark night of the soul, was like a three-year unwinding of my marriage and also an entirely different view of like my job. I was in corporate and I would really was questioning, like, can I be spiritual? Can I have this perspective? And still be in corporate and looking at that and evaluating that. So I did a huge inventory of my life and made a ton of changes, ended up getting divorced, leaving my marriage. But I'm still in corporate (laughs) because interestingly, through my process, it actually is part of my mission and it is part of what I'm here to do. I look at this earthly experience as like a video game and we can pick which levels we play. We can pick these containers that allow us to experience and grow in a lot of different ways. And corporate's just one of those things that you can pick. And so I'm able to still be in alignment and be spiritual and grow and experience in that container in a way that feels really aligned. And I know that's not how it feels for everybody, but that's how it feels for me. Well, I want to just, if you're willing to kind of indulge the listener, really, because it's, I think, one thing to say corporate. You've created some pretty substantial success in at least two industries that I know of. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you kind of want to just sort of snapshot the first industry and then how you got to where you are, or we can just really focus on where you're at right now, which is also pretty substantial. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me to give myself credit. (laughs) Sometimes you forget. Yeah. It's, I mean, when you talk about like you were so off track. You were so off track on creating the life that most of us can only dream about. So I think that's like an interesting exploration as well. But firstly, let's just clarify, like, what did, what did so off track mean for the like 30 under 30 award that you got and yeah. so on and so forth? So, you know, what's interesting is I am like, I'm a seeker and I'm a learner and I have to be challenged by my work. And those are kind of my requirements. I don't really necessarily care what industry or what I'm doing. Like if Mm -hmm. it lines up with me and there's freedom, learning, challenge, and the ability to create and build, sign me up. And so I had just met my ex-husband and he got a job offer in Tahoe. And I had this great consulting gig out of college. I had just bought that dream condo at the age of 21. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Let's leave it all behind and let's go start something new. That's like one of my favorite parts of, I feel like you as well, you sharing that because I saw the opportunity to go and do something different and challenge myself. 
Um, and so I was, after growing up in Vail, determined not to be like a lift operator or work in a restaurant like I had done in high school. I was like, I want to find the real job in Tahoe. My dad had been in real estate my whole life. He was fourth generation real estate. And I was like, you know what? I want to go like see if I can conquer real estate. And I started out literally answering phones at the real estate office and working my way into working for one of the top real estate developers in Tahoe and being one of their top agents. And this was back when the secret and like vision boards were really big. And I remember my dad getting these magazines that said real estate, like top 30 under 30. And it was once a year that it came out. When I was little, I would look through it. And so I put that magazine on there. I'm like, you know what? This is like a great way to measure success in real estate. I want to be the top in this magazine, top 30 under 30. And fast forward, uh, I was actually uh, in that magazine as one of the top 30 real estate agents in the country. And honestly, after that, it was like, I felt like I almost achieved everything I could achieve. I proved to myself that I could work my way up from like the bottom to the top, as far as the top that I defined it as. And I was ready for the next challenge. And it was interesting because the month that that real estate magazine came out, I quit real estate and I moved to San Francisco and decided that tech was going to be my next area to play in and conquer. And I'd always had a passion for technology. I was a tech major in college, so I was really excited about it. But I took a 75% pay cut. I actually never was even able to capitalize on like the PR and the marketing and all the things I could have generated and awareness for myself in real estate because like literally the magazine came out when I quit. But I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to go conquer tech. How old were you? So I was, let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I was about 28. Okay. And I ask that because I know what you did next. (laughs) This is a leading question. And so you're at the top of your game. And I think also like to anyone who has achieved an incredible amount of success, when you when you reach that first threshold of, okay, this is this is what success means to me. It's a certain number of dollars in my bank account. It's a certain number of a certain amount of security in terms of my salary or, and, you know, it's a certain job title or a certain level of influence, et cetera. Like you, you hit that and then you go, okay, so what's next? And you typically, at least this is my experience. I shouldn't speak for others. Uh, you know, I looked around and I was like, this is not what I thought that was going to feel like. And in fact, like I'm really unhappy so, you know, I, I obviously need to like raise the bar on my success and, you know, redefine all of this stuff. But like the job that you took next, the way that you talked about it, at least to me, I think it would, I think it's just an interesting juxtaposition to go, okay, I was here and you can't see me listener, but um, my hand is like up at the top of the mountain. And then like really the job that you ended up taking, is kind of like back down in that valley. Yeah, it's. Like the lowest, for lack of a better term, job you can take at a tech company. So when you want to get into tech sales, so I came out of real estate and selling, and I've always been good at selling, but they would not give me a job as what they call account executive until I did this other job. And the other job is cold calling. So my job. <laughs> the other job <laughs> is what you hate. <laughs> and everybody here's what they, hates. Everybody yeah. hates it. It was the hardest and probably best year of my life. And I understand now why I had to do it. Had I gone into sales, I would have probably failed pretty quickly because you have quotas. You have all of this pressure. They don't care. Like you could be the top salesperson one quarter and miss your number the next two and they'll fire you. Like there's kind of this cutthroat vibe on that side of the business. This year was like an incubator year. I got to basically my job was to create opportunities for the top, like four of the top account executives in the company. So I got to learn from the best people. I watched, I learned, I called, I pushed through a lot of uncomfortable boundaries around like rejection. Calling people out of the blue (laughs) is not fun. Getting rejected is not fun. But again, like the personal growth that I experienced in that year, coupled with the learning from these incredible people, 
allowed me to then be successful from then on out. I tell everybody I'm like that job because every tech company has that that job. Go do that job. Yes, you're going to take a pay cut, but it's a year and they know you're not going to do it more than a year. Like, so you're committing to a year of your life to learn. And it was hugely powerful for me and setting me up for success. I was with that company for almost nine years. And that year was really important for me. Awesome. Thank you for that. So tell us a little bit about where you're at now. And then I'm going to shift gears a bit. Yeah. So I spent nine years at that company. That company grew from 3,000 or so employees to 50,000 when I left. That ride was wild, hitching yourself to a company that's growing that much. What I can tell you, since kind of bringing this back to the spiritual side, is when your company or your business is growing as quickly as that is, like you are, it's like being in hyperdrive. So the opportunities and challenges and all of that, they are on, like it's on another level for you to personally grow alongside this company that's growing. And so I was thrust into situations where my bosses were like, hey, we need you to go do this thing. I know you've never done it, which included at the time them being like, you get two people, you own 50,000 partnerships globally, figure it out. Like those types of problems that pushed me like to challenge myself to learn and then being successful in that gave me so much confidence along the way to allow me to step into where I'm at right now. So right now, I ended up leaving that company because I found my sweet spot, I feel like, is that like 3,000 to like maybe 15,000 employee company where things are really well defined, the business is established, but there's really big problems to solve to get to like that next level. Like I loved that part of the journey and I was like, I want to go recreate that again. I want to take everything I learned and go do it better. And so I'm at another tech company and a ton of people from that company left and followed me or we followed each other, right? Because I realized work family and like the people that you surround yourself with every day, especially in corporate, is really important to success. So I basically brought my work family over and I am now leading, it's a team of about 65 people globally. The company is at like $3 billion in revenue. And we all know it's kind of a crazy time out there right now. So the problems and all the things that I'm facing feel, although similar to what I went through before, are pushing me outside of my comfort zone. So I'm still like super happy at my job. I'm uncomfortable which means it's not time to leave. <laughs> I'm being challenged every day. And then on top of it, I am really working to bring this like authentic version of myself, this spiritual version of myself into corporate. I'm not like putting this corporate hat on every day and somehow suppressing who I really am. I'm like, I'm bringing both of those people and this badass woman to work every day. And it's going to help change not just my output and my success, but all these people around me. That's what I feel like I'm really here to do. Beautiful. Thank you so much for that background. Because I think it's, I don't know, I, I'm just fascinated by people that are able to navigate both worlds. So to me, like you have, it's like sophisticated. Like you've really probably mastered that one foot in each world. Um, and it, it feels like, and I mean, you know my ankle in terms of spirituality. And kind of the, I mean, I'm sort of making like a figure eight shape, like in creativity. And you've mentioned creation, created, creator multiple times, kind of as you've sort of taken us through your professional history. And how, like, firstly, do you consider yourself a creative and potentially even an artist? Yeah, it's funny. Um, artist, I would say no, because... <laughs> I don't want to discredit all of the amazing artists out there by yeah. trying to throw myself into that title. But I am a creator. And what we are doing the exact same thing is we're tapping into the creative energy that's within all of us and, and building something, right? I firmly believe like we are creating our lives. We are in charge of the life that we want to create. We are in charge of it. Like life isn't happening to us. It's happening for us, but we have to create that momentum and we have to create those intentions that put us in 
the direction that we really want to go and what we want to experience. I have such reverence for artists because they are using that creative energy and they're tapping into it in a way that I sometimes wish I could. (laughs) Maybe I can, but I'm just taking a different path with it. What? I mean, and maybe this is your spiritual practice, but what is your creative process? It's funny watching myself, you know, ever since I had the kind of spiritual awakening and like, what does creation look like? And for a while, creation actually looked like destruction, (laughs) right? Um, Which is I basically had to dismantle and like excavate the, the things in my life, the belief systems and all of that that weren't serving me before I felt like I could even create. So I feel like a huge part of what I do is I'm constantly catching those places and those things that probably limit my creative ability by distracting them first. And then I've also learned that I have to become empty if I want to really create. And this is Mm. what's really interesting in corporate because when you reach a level of VP in corporate or in tech, you, your calendar, you lose control of your calendar potentially, right? So your day becomes completely full. And if you're not careful, there's always somebody that needs to talk to you. And you cannot create if you don't give yourself space. So I am super committed to creating very tight boundaries around my work life, my calendar, so that I have the space to create. Now, if I'm creating something at work or I need to create something at work, I have my entire Monday morning, which I know is like a really powerful time for me to create open so that I have four hours of uninterrupted time to set myself up for the week and to tap into that like creative energy around work. Now, if I'm doing something spiritual, I meditate every morning. I like sit with Hoppe. I'm very intentional about getting still and getting out of my mind because I operate in my mind and my masculine so much that I have to be really intentional about really tapping into my feminine by getting out of my head, into my body, into my heart and staying open so that I can kind of receive, clearly receive any of the kind of wisdom or intuition that I, that I want to tap into as part of my creative process. And when I'm cut off from that and when I don't like really carve out tight boundaries around that, I can't create. And I think all, that's with everybody, right? If there's too much noise, you almost feel like, well, there's, there's a writer's block <laughs> that everybody talks about. I think that happens to me when I'm really in my head and really in my masculine. So I'm trying to be as intentional about creating that space as I can. I'm going to plant this seed and circle back to it because I'm going to ask you to give us an example. I'd be really curious how a VP in tech taps into this like spiritual creative process to then like create in tech, like in your teams and in your partnerships and in your work in a manner that is like measurable. And, you know, you're meeting your KPIs or whatever you guys, you probably have some like super vibey jargon word for that. (laughs) But think on that one. How do you know? And I'm sure this is something you had to like get to, but like, oh, this, this thing needs to go. Like, this is the thing. I think you talked about it. You're always catching things that kind of need to be explored slash cleared out slash destroyed in order to create that space. So like, I'm really curious kind of like how that, like, is it a feeling or is it like something that won't go away or kind of how does that show up for you? Okay. Let me give you an example. So it's really funny. I think back to this moment that was kind of pivotal for me because I had my spiritual awakening and I immediately, the only people that surrounded me in these containers or meditation groups that I would go to as I was trying to find community were people that were serving others and they were not in corporate. And I really struggled with that because I felt like, wait, I actually really like my job, but I felt Mm -hmm. like I had to give it up to be a part of this community, which was my like, that's my perspective. Nobody was telling me that. That's just I mean, I, like, that's one of the reasons I want to have these conversations is I do think there's a there's a dialogue out there. And it's a pretty loud narrative that suggests if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to go all in on your spirituality or your manifestation, like, you've got to, like, give everything else up. You know, you got to quit the job. You got to invest everything, like, whatever it is. And so I actually think, like, and this is definitely my bias, I think it's really important to honor. Like, you can interweave both. And my real bias is, like, I think you should until you get to a point where 
the, the choice is not just obvious, but easy. But anyhow, that's my own little rant. So, well, no, but I feel like it's worth mentioning that the spiritual community really is potentially like holding on to some of these archetypes, like the martyr, you know, <laughs> that are like ingrained in the collective. Yeah. Around like, in order to live a spiritual life, I have to. And a lot of that is years and hundreds and hundreds mm. and thousands of years of these people that came before us. I actually see it now as like an opportunity. I can help rewrite that. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't have to give it all up. You don't actually have it's selling, you know, being in corporate isn't selling yourself to the the big guy. You know, you're not like working for the man. And how can you live an aligned life and be in tech? Well, I am. I am because yeah. I'm defining it. Well, and it's but, actually the tech companies, like, I think I was telling you the story about, like, a, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a cop wanted to date me. And I was like, fuck the pigs, man. <laughs> and he was like, but BC, like, we're, like, similar people here, right? Like, we obviously jive and get along with each other. Like, we share, you know, we're both, like, very much into the punk scene. And he was like, don't you get that for, like, this to change, it's got to happen from the inside. It's got to be somebody who, like, walks the talk or walks the walk and talks the talk. And, like, they see as one of them. Like, that's how the change can start. At the time, I was like, F you, man. But now, like, I like for corporate, there's a reason corporate works. And it is because that it is business to scale. And you're able to create solutions for large numbers of people. And tech is really leading it. Well, the tech has the opportunity to lead. And when you see these like really cool tech companies doing something like it is those like co-managed PTO policies where you can take as much time as you need. And they do offer childcare and amazing benefits. And I think we were taught like one tech company was saying like they if one of their employees dies or so something about like their life insurance and like the level of security they will offer the families of their employees, like just some next level stuff. And like what I'm super passionate about and what I am very much exploring in my own experience is like new business. And how can we do business in a way that honors the exchange that's occurring? And it doesn't really exist yet, but like it's people like you in corporate with a lot of fucking influence and a lot of responsibility that have the opportunity to test this in real time. So, okay, we're getting, yeah. I'm getting like on, on my fucking soapbox. I'll get off. But uh, yeah, back to like. Yeah, let me, I can example. tie that. Yeah. I think I can tie all that together with the story that I was kind of lean into, which is I was in my awakening period, my kind of dark night period. And this woman came and did a past, not past life regression, a um, like the hypnotherapy. Oh, hypnotherapy. Yeah, hypnotherapy. There we go. Okay. So I had a hypnotherapy session. I hadn't done one before. Anyway, she's leading me down this hallway and the instruction was to open the door that called to me to meet with a guide that had a message for me. And so I opened the door and I see Jesus and I like shut the door because I was like, hey, wrong guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I somehow got in the Christian hallway. I'm not really Christian anymore. <laughs> and he was like, hold up. No, no, no. I'm the right guy. Like I'm and this was like my first reconnection with like the Jesus Christ conscious, like Yeshua, whatever you want to call it, energy and like started a whole journey, which I don't need to go into. But the the message that he gave me was so clear. It was like right at that moment where I was like, do I need to get out of tech? And he said, we need you where you're at. We need more of you awakened, aligned, whatever you want to call spiritual light workers. I don't know. There's a million names. We need you. On, in corporate. There's plenty of people doing the work and serving others in their way. You're right where you need to be. And it gave me so much confidence. And I was like, wait, I just got permission. And I don't know why Jesus had to give me the permission. Why I couldn't have given it to myself. But <laughs> you realize, oh, shit, he's right. Like, there aren't that many people in this side of the world, especially in tech, where it is so influential. Our entire lives are so impacted by these technology companies. And I thought, well, you're right. Like you do need people there. Like I consider myself, I'm constantly watching. I'm making sure that things are happening with integrity. I'm tapping into these people and these leaders and going, how are you showing up? Is this safe? Like, does this feel safe? Does this feel aligned? Are you, where are you operating from? Like, are you operating from, I need to just create profit? 
or I want to create a company that is values driven. And I want everybody to know, like, I'm, this isn't just tech, but the tides are changing in corporate and I've seen it over the last 15 years. So all those things that you talked about, companies realize they have to put people first. It's why we're seeing people not want to go and do shitty jobs anymore. People are realizing I am worth more. And so when you're worth more and you're especially in tech, I mean, I'm lucky because it's they want to keep women, especially women leaders right now. And so the perks are amazing. Like maternity leave has increased to like six to eight months, sometimes a year for some of these companies. These companies are values driven. And when I mean that, I mean like I talk about my company's values and use them as a way to describe both good or bad every single day. And so you and I do this. Like I'm playing the game. This is like giving me the opportunity to go and make money, to grow, to do something I love. It's just a choice I'm making. And I plugged into an industry that I feel like is really pushing the boundaries of what it means to put employees, forget about employees, people first. And so that feels very aligned to me. And like the money and the success is just a byproduct of that mm -hmm, for me mm -hmm. because I basically told the universe, like, if I'm doing this, this is hard work. We're all out here. I'm going to be clear. I don't care what you're doing. If you're listening to Nicole's podcast, you probably work hard. We all work hard in different ways. But I told the universe, like, this is what I expect. If I put in this much time and this much effort in corporate, which does take time away from me being able to do some of the other spiritual things or the other things in my life, I expect this much compensation. And so I kind of keep increasing that as things get harder and harder and the effort goes in. But that feels aligned too. Like the energetic exchange does feel balanced to me. So yes, Jesus gave me the uh, gave me the keys. Green light go from Jesus. Cool. So for any <laughs> listener out there, all you need to do is just open the Jesus door. Right? Yeah. Well, and okay, so I just kind of want to circle back because I don't know that I got the answer that I wanted to my question. Okay. So how do you know? when something needs to go, like when something needs to get cleared, the destruction uh, process is starting. Um, there's a few things I do. Well, first of all, I think when you are looking for those things, right, or you're looking for those blocks or those limiting beliefs and like you're aware, you're a witness, you start to see these loops, right? Mm. Like you start to attract the same situation over and over. Now in, in corporate, that could look like Maybe you're not hitting your numbers or like something's happening where you're having these conflicts continue to show up. So that's clue number one, that there's like some kind of pattern that maybe you need to dive into that's limiting you. The other thing is very simple for me. It's around how to make a decision, right? Does this deplete me or does this energize me? It's honestly tapping into the energy of like what you're stepping into and almost that timeline. If I go and create this, how does it feel in my body? I don't think we take the time to do that, but that can have a dramatic impact, I think, on that decision making. And now if something's depleting you, why are you doing it? Change it, destruct it and create something new and a new way of working. And that can be everything from as simple as like, how you set up your time and your day and your schedule and your calendar. I do like a calendar destruction exercise once a quarter where I look at every recurring meeting and I go like, does this actually need to be on here? That's like the most silly tactical example of like destructing things that are literally taking away from you. But that's been powerful. And I do that all the time. If somebody asks me if I want to go to a party or go to dinner, is that going to energize me or deplete me? Is it a fuck yes or is it a Maybe. You well, I'm assuming you're not like thinking about it. You're literally like feeling, feeling it in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're so quick. We're in our minds all day. We're so quick to let our minds make the decision for us. Maybe I should do that. Maybe, you know, to actually I take like the parties. Time. It's, a, you know, yeah. I like parties. Oh, I should go. I haven't seen them in so long. And then you play it out. Honestly, for me, it's first feel it in your body. But I kind of have the vision now where I can actually go into the timeline and I can see both like visualize yourself going to the party and how you feel and you know there's those parties you go to and you can see it and you're gonna have so much fun and it's gonna feel good and then there's those parties you go to and you can see the other like the other version of that timeline where you're sitting there and you're depleted by every conversation you're having and you wish you were at home on the couch like honoring that and honoring that vision and that feeling is really important
That's awesome. I think you you already answered the question. Thanks. I was going to ask for like a real world example, but I love the idea of just looking at every recurring meeting on your schedule and going, does this does this expand me? Does this light me up? Is this something that helps? Or is this just something we're doing because we've been fucking doing it and it probably doesn't need to happen anymore? Or, or like, what's the other option there? Yeah. And also like how much time, like time is our, is our currency, right? Like it's the ability for us. Mm. Like I said, I'm trying to constantly create windows so that I can create mm-hmm. versus constantly just be reacting. So like I want to create as much proactive opportunity in my life as I possibly can. And so, yeah, part of that calendar cleanse was like, does this meeting really need to be an hour? Or could it be 15 minutes? <laughs> and at what, you know, at what recurring, like how do we need to meet once a month or once a week or whatnot? But it it's very freeing to do that. So like, what do you consider, air quotes, your work? You know, it's interesting because I feel like I'm on the cusp of changing this a little bit. And you know, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that I'm working on. I, mm-hmm. I, I think what's interesting about being a human is we have this really strong desire to be tapped in, like, to our soul's mission constantly. It's like, what am I here to do, right? And at any given point, if I think of this like a video game, like I only have visibility to like whatever level of the game I'm on as far as like what I need to accomplish or what my mission is. So what you're asking me at a time where I feel like I'm about to like level up, okay? But what I will say that's consistent is my work is really about doing the work on myself Knowing that the things that I change, the like the programs that I rewrite actually affect everybody. So that's been a big part of my journey to date when I think about like spiritual work outside of corporate. How can I actually pave the way by doing the really hard shit that then actually opens up that energetic option for everyone else? And so how that looks for me is like constant (laughs) self-improvement, shadow work, all of this like conscious reprogramming and belief systems and digging into like, is this soul trauma? Is this generational trauma? Is this collective trauma? Like transmuting that, experiencing that, feeling that and clearing that for myself, I realize has an impact on everybody. So for a long time, I realized like I wanted to do work and serve others. Yeah, I'm doing that every day by showing up as the best version of myself. So how can I make myself better? But now it's evolving. So I've gotten more pieces to what that next level looks like, which is really thinking about how could I serve in corporate in like a bigger way than just being in the game. And so what I really think I'm going to be doing is I have picked up quite a few different modalities, if you will, somatic release breath work being one of them as what I feel like is the gateway to allowing people to get back into their bodies and out of their heads. Some journeying and some things that I feel like if I could do do this with some of the leaders in tech that I have access to just with, with where I'm at. It could be game changing for that industry. I don't have all the puzzle pieces yet, but so that's how I see my work evolving from like realizing that the work is about me and then showing people through what I've learned, through my own experiences, how I've created success, how I show up every day, how they can feel better about their work. They can unblock the things that are limiting their potential. And I firmly believe that if people come into the workplace in their bodies, they create space to create they're more in their feminine than their masculine as leaders, then they're going it, to, it's going to be better, not just for them, but for whatever these companies are creating. It benefits all of us. And it feels really big and it feels scary for some reason for me to say like, this work could change the world. It could change the world because tech can change the world. These people are highly influential. They can change the world. So like I'm putting limits on like how comfortable I feel. I'll be like, my work is to change the world. Well, it's starting to look that way for me. And so I'm trying to put those puzzle pieces together as to like, how can I bring this in? I have the perfect container. I have the access. I now have the tools. I just have to put it together. So that's my next creative process. Firstly, fucking amazeballs. And I kind of wanted to like, maybe explore this like the feminine and the masculine a little bit 
because obviously it's not the gender that we're talking about. It's the energy. And like corporate, I think if if you were to distill corporate down to like one thing, it's like the patriarchy, right? Or like potentially capitalism, but like really like the patriarchal structure within that kind of capitalist machine. So like when you vision a, a balanced corporate space where feminine might even be a little more, you know, like the feminine is really showing up in terms of that energy. Maybe talk us through like a little bit about what that actually means to you and then how you see that working in a model that has like, in my opinion, in my very limited exposure to like what we kind of, when we, again, I'm air quoting here, like corporate, how to bring that that energy in and like what that could look like and what that might even shift. You know, easy, easy question. No big deal. Yeah. I know. I think about all, of this a lot. Though, I know. So. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What's interesting is watching since I, you know, it's, you know, 20 years in corporate, essentially women, the women leaders in the early days of my career were the best masculine feminine mm-hmm. leaders. Mm-hmm. They were the women that could show up in their masculine energy. And by masculine, I just mean this almost like warrior-like energy where you have to put your armor on. You have to defend your business every day. You have it's to very ignore. Linear. It's very it's metric very linear. Based. It's very like data-driven. Like you can prove it. You can touch it. You can collate the data for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very structured. It's mm. all structure. There's no rewarding the the creativity there's actually really not even space for that and i've seen a massive shift so companies like they started to get a lot of data about the benefits of diverse teams right like and i'm not going to like go into that but there is benefits to having different perspectives and they realized wow like we may have over indexed on men in leadership roles what how does it change the company when women come in the problem is women were showing up in their masculine. So they were trying to emulate the men and the leaders that were around them. We didn't have good role models for how to show up in your more feminine energy. And by feminine, I mean creative. I mean the energy that, you know, like here's an example. Oftentimes we have these reviews and, you know, it's kind of, you feel like you're on the chopping block. Literally, it's your turn. You have the entire executive team. And they're digging into your business, right? And a masculine, like I used to feel like I had to show up in my masculine. I put armor on. I'm like going to battle to defend my work, my metrics and all of that. The feminine version of that is, hey, somebody asks you a really tough question and maybe you don't know the answer. And I'm one of those people like I need to be able to take time to process and respond. That's a feminine thing about me. You will get the best output if I can think about it, feel it in my body. And then respond creatively to like this question that they ask. I now have the space to do that. I will do that in a conversation rather than immediately feel like I have to answer the question and go, well, how am I going to solve that problem? I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I think that's the right way to do it. It's like, hey, you know what? If you wouldn't mind, give me some space to think about it. There's a couple of people I want to talk to before I give you that answer. That's like a very simple way of explaining like a feminine perspective. But what I want to say is there's now feminine leaders. There are people like me. There's many me's out there that are approaching work and going, you know what? I want to show up as my authentic self. I've had like multiple women vent and cry to me on calls. That would have been unheard of five years ago. But you know what? Mm. Let it out. Express your frustration. Talk to me about how this makes you feel. Like none of that used to happen. And so as much as I like can I'm trying to create space for that and it's not just me I'm seeing it everywhere people are realizing there's a lot of value and just letting us show up in our truest nature and our most authentic ways and that when we do we're happier at work which means chances are we're going to be more successful at work so that's happening and that's really exciting and that's what keeps me in it like watching these evolutions and being able to impact that which is why I actually think when I zero in on the types of people that are the group of people that I want to work with initially on some of this it is the women leaders first and I think they'll the men will probably see it trickle like see some of this change and see some of the power of people showing up really really deeply as themselves and might be interested in like dabbling into what that might look like for them. 
Beautiful. And um, and I love, thank you for bringing in those real world examples. I was going to ask you, like, how do you navigate that? And I mean, you're sitting down like with the C-suite saying, I'll get back to you on that. And it's it's that simple. But I think a lot of people will go, well, I could never do that. Or like, how like, how do you just clear your Monday morning? And it's like, well, you just do it. You just do it. And they respect it. They mm. actually really respect it. And I think that that's important. Not every culture does. So I found a company that I feel comfortable and that the executive team honored that request, right? As in, you know, from that specific example. But as it pertains to boundaries, I consider my calendar and time boundaries. You are in charge of that. Mm-hmm. Any company will be will take as much of your time and your energy as you're willing to give. They will like right. I, I I think that's what people hate about corporate. They're like, well, you're just a cog in the wheel. Well, you kind of are if you're willing to give them all of you. Yeah, just say no. Just say you know. For me, I saw these women leaders ahead of me, and they had kids. This is before I had kids, and they left every day at four thirty because they wanted to pick their kids up from school. And they set a firm boundary. Like, you do not schedule time after 4.30 on my calendar. And I was like, well, shit, that gives me permission to set firm boundaries. And so we all can do that. And it's on us. It's not on the company. It's not their fault. If you take the meeting at 9 on Monday morning, then you're setting the precedent that that can happen in the future. That's on you. That's not on them. Just say no. Well, so that's perfect because what I kind of wanted to get into and we're probably getting close to wrapping up is like, what are the tools that you employ in order to create not just the success that you have now, but the success you're going to create to change the world? And like, so, you know, boundaries, an amazing tool, Um, perhaps like what your kind of daily or weekly, like spiritual, creative, personal maintenance might look like. But for someone who's kind of potentially struggling with like, how do I get from where I'm at right now? to where I think Alden is. And so that I can feel like that, I can create the changes like that. Like it, to your point, it takes work. It is hard work. And so what are kind of the tools that you use or potentially even like the routines and rituals in your day or week? The hardest thing is just, is time. Like I've talked about a Mm. lot, right? Our plate is only a specific size with how much we can fill it. So I'm really intentional about how much time I'm willing to give to work and then how much time I do need to dedicate to the spiritual side. And I'm a Libra. So like when things are out of balance, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. If I ever, and I find the universe intervenes anyway, if I over like commit to work and I start to relinquish on those boundaries, like I get those like big nudges that are like, hey, remember spiritual work? In fact, my guides laugh and you can appreciate this. They'll be like, you know, that's not your job. Like that's just what you do like it's cute that you think that's your job like your job is all of this it is definitely continuing my spiritual growth so one of the things I do if it's in alignment which it has been and this is how you and I met I'm always almost always in some kind of a container that holds me accountable from like a time perspective and that's different like based on whatever theme or whatever I'm trying to work through at that moment. So I'm actually uh, in a container right now, like around polarity and relationships, which is like way different than when I met you and we were doing some other stuff, but it holds me accountable to continuing to grow spiritually and to challenge myself. And I almost always find that right when I'm like, oh shoot, what am I going to do next? It just pops into my reality because I've set the intention that, hey, like having like growing through these containers with these teachers and with these groups of people has been really valuable for me. And I would always like something like that. So those tend to be like one call during the week, which I block my calendar for, my corporate calendar for, don't care. And then like something on the weekend or something like that. So a few hours a week of that. Like I said, I'm committed to meditating. I use Hoppe. I know it's one of your least favorite things <laughs> that you're trying oh, to work with through. It, yeah. For those that don't know, it is a sacred tobacco from the Amazon. And I found it in Guatemala. My friend like busted into my room and was like, we're meditating with Hoppe. And I immediately felt like I found this ally. The reason I love it in the context of this conversation is 
it drops me deeply into my body and gets me out of my head. Although you can have different experiences on it, that's the consistent thing that for me every morning to start in my body is really important. Because we all wake up, we grab our phones, we think about, I look at my calendar, I start to think about work. And that has been really game-changing for me. And then the other thing is honoring whatever my body needs and carving out time for that. That can mean a variety of things. I used to be like, I'm going to work out three days a week and I'm going to do a massage and self-care and self-love thing. That's really hard to do when maybe that week you feel really tired. So I actually carve out time, but I'm really flexible with how I use that and I let my body guide what it needs. After a long work day, oftentimes I do need to work out. And sometimes I'm like, if I need a ground, then it's weights. If I need to move energy, then it's cardio. And if my body is tired and I just need to lay on the couch and watch like crappy TV for an hour, then I allow that. But again, like looking at my plate and going, okay, you have this many hours in the week. What do you need? How do you need to create space? And how do you need to like create routine and finding balance in that? Beautiful. And I love that it's also like meeting yourself where you're at. And that idea, I felt really guilty for a really long time about like the accountability of others. And I mean, there's there's something about saying yes to a commitment where other people are are participating. And I used to think it was accountability. I used to think it was performative and it was externalized. But what I realized is like there's like a co-creative exchange that happens with energy when I am in a group of with people. And um, it, yeah, I find that really powerful. But it, it's yeah, making the time for understanding how you work best committing to to that time and then meeting yourself where you're at within it. I think that's... And I want to be clear, like I work really hard, but a huge part of my plate is creating time for play and joy and travel and adventure. Mm. And I have two little boys that I love to spend time with and a partner that I want to go do all the things with as well. So I'm very clear with the universe around this corporate job. That like, and I think there's a misnomer that as you move up the corporate ladder, it just becomes your life. Well, yeah, if you let it. <laughs> yeah. If you let it. So I need to be effective at doing my job and, and I'm willing to give up this much time, but I'm not here to work in corporate. Yeah, that's a great way for me to learn and grow, create success. To me, money is really just freedom then to go and take to have like and create the things I love, which are those experiences with people and joy and fun and all of that. You know, one thing that's been kind of like tugging at the edges, which I, I'll make this my last question for you. So often in these spaces, like just how you honored, like I, I do work really hard, but I work really hard so I can play and so I can connect so I can be present with what's most important to me. Like the work, you know, it's like your guides laughing at you being like your, your, your job is the thing you do, but like your work is this experience, is this um, exploration, the spirituality, the presence, so on. You growing up, I mean, you started this whole conversation with saying like, I had an idyllic childhood and you know, it's not it wasn't even about being wealthy or or whatever our economic status was like. I never wanted for anything. And some people I feel like have shame around the fact that like they don't come from like some traumatic background. But like I'm bringing that in mainly because it's been tugging at me. But I think that has something to do with this idea also of the success and the wealth and the abundance that we can create and not having any shame around that either. Like you kind of talked about, like I never had any limiting beliefs about what was possible to me, what I could create. Like you did sort of test out like the 3D, I think, you know, the getting married, getting, you know, having kids, having the career, like basically at 30, you were where like most people would kind of want to retire at, especially as a woman. And so I guess where I'm going with this in terms of like expansion and what's possible for people, if they're feeling shame, around the fact, like if they're feeling shame around potentially their privilege or feeling shame about the fact that like they want like a certain level of access or a certain level of money or a certain title or a certain like, I guess maybe things that like the spiritual community can't like can kind of shit all over. <laughs> like how do you approach that shame and or like how did you completely blast through that? Yeah, shame was another thing that I that I saw. Well, actually, when I looked at the spiritual community, right, when I had that awakening, when I was like, do I have to give it up everything? I almost felt guilty for a little bit of like a lot of these people came in 
to like really traumatic childhoods. They were working through like massive traumas. And I was almost like, well, am I on the right path? Like if that wasn't me, you mm -hmm. know, like oftentimes those experiences actually like lead you to becoming spiritual, right? Because it's like there's a million ways to get woken up in life. And a lot of those people, I felt like that was their path. Like the pain and the trauma was so bad that it led them to look outside of whatever their circumstances were to find spirituality. I didn't have any of that. And I almost felt shameful for not. I almost felt like, wait, like I have shame around this amazing and beautiful life that I was given. And then I heard myself say that. And I was like, wait, 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 you can have shame about a beautiful life or you can be grateful for this life. I started to be able to discern what was important to me because it validated the hard work that I was putting in versus what is important to my ego. So the title is a great example of that. I worked my ass off. It felt director when I, when I became a director. It was like this goal for years. And I was like, I want to be a director. And for those that don't know, it's like manager, senior manager, director, senior director, VP. But director right in the middle of my career was like this monumental goal for me. It was not because of my ego. It represented like this level of success or work for me that validated all of the hard work that I had put in. It was just important to me. I didn't feel, sh and you know, in a lot of the spiritual community would say, well, like you just wanted the title. That's very ego driven. No, it's not. To me, it was just validation. It was just this way of describing the work and the journey that I had been on. And that felt really aligned. So I just tap in constantly. Is this my ego that wants to create this? Is, is it my ego that wants to make X amount of money? Or is that goal aligned with something that is really like aligned to who I am? And again, money and looking at that, you and I have talked about this before. Do you want the hundred or do you want the $5,000 to go on the trip? to Mexico? Or do you want the $5,000 to have an experience that you know will nourish you and make you feel better and allow you to grow and expand? Those are two different, like, those are, those are two different ways of looking at the exact same experience. So for me, when I would set these goals about how much money I wanted to make, I really tapped into like, why? Do you want to make, say, $150,000 a year because you want to go buy this thing and you want to do this thing and, or whatever? Or do you want to make $150,000 a year because that's like unlocking a level for you that feels really validating, that feels like that just culmination of the work and determination that you've put into something. And so I always tap into that with really everything that I do when I set these goals for myself just to make sure my ego's not not running the show. Well, and I... Thank you. I think you like wrapped that up beautifully because you said, I only have visibility on the level that I'm at. And so what I'm hearing is like these, you know, quote unquote, like ego driven labels or like 3D constructs are also like the big boss at the end of the level. And <laughs> like, sure, it might be 3D. It might be a construct. It might even be ego. But it's like, what's on the other side of that? We don't have visibility for it. We can't see it yet. And there are certain access points. And so, yeah, the, I think like, especially for someone who's really inspired by the challenge, which I can absolutely relate to, it's almost like, I just want to see what the next challenge is. <laughs> like, and in order to do that, I have to unlock this level. I have to beat the big boss guy at the, at the end. And like, the big boss guy is director or VP or, yeah, a certain threshold of income. And I love that way of looking at it. What I want to say, too, because I'm kind of pinging off of that a little bit, is you almost forget. Well, first of all, when if you would have told me I would be like a VP making a lot of a lot more money than I'd have ever like set my goal to be when I became that director, I would never have believed you probably. Because I also think that like there's levels in between, right? Like you can't really, can't really see what's ahead, but you also forget to give yourself credit for all the levels <laughs> that you have made it through. When you set a goal and you like beat the boss, as you said, and you do it multiple times, you realize that this growth is exponential at that point and you actually can't go backwards, <laughs> which I think is like one of the fears that we all have. Like you're not leveling down. You're leveling up and you're realizing that these goals that you set for yourself 
the universe can actually like thinks bigger than you can. When you limit yourself by what your mind wants, oftentimes like you achieve that thing and then the universe gives you more and you're like, holy shit, I thought way too small here. Right. So I'm working really hard to appreciate the fact that like I am so impressed with not only myself and what I've achieved, but that I've like really taken the limits off of what I think is possible in every aspect of my life to allow the universe to bring in more than I even think is possible. So that's the difference that I was talking about when you're manifesting from the ego or the mind. Oftentimes you are limiting your potential. When you are really focused on what you want to experience, what you want to feel, how you want to serve, how it serves you, how it helps you grow, I find the universe like literally throws this like this just extra at you that can feel really mind-blowing. But it's really hard. So if that's like level seven and I'm to that point and you're on level two and level three, it's hard to believe that. Yeah. So like you do have to take the steps of like slowly like starting to prove that for yourself and to hit those goals and to like take that journey for you to firmly like in your body, in your subconscious believe that more is possible. So I'm really cognizant when, you, when you're listening to that it's like, well, shit, how am I going to get there? Just like stay on your level, beat that boss, set that goal go to the next level and think bigger and then go to the next level and think bigger because every time you level up, you're not going to level down. <laughs> well, and that's where I actually think ego can be really helpful because you might not believe, like I wanted to ask you, like, do you believe you can create anything? And I think I know the answer to that question. Fuck yeah, I can. So, but like you don't start there to your point, but like, mm -hmm. so logically, I think everyone could say like anything's possible. Like logically, someone could look at your situation and go, OK, well, I guess a woman can make that much money or I guess a woman can be a VP in tech and a mother. I guess you can be spiritual and in corporate, like logically, egoically, the examples are there, like there is data and proof. And so regardless of how you feel like if that applies to you, there is evidence to support otherwise. Right. And so like logically, you can go, OK, I'm on level two <laughs> and I know there's a level seven. I know it's going to take skills or a belief that I might not understand at all. So with that assumption, that logical, if this, then that, how does that shift this current moment? And we were talking about this earlier. It's that old adage of like, if I guaranteed you success, what would you do right now? And so that's actually where I think like that's a very egoic exercise. And sure, you can like tap in and, you know, bring that into your body and do whatever kind of magic is available to you. But like if we don't even have that skill set yet, I think that's certainly what's allowed me to kind of like push through levels and continue especially to keep trying to figure it out when I don't I don't believe that that's possible. It's like, okay, I, in this moment, actually, like, I'm going to let, I'm going to let a little bit of ego, I'm going to let that masculine drive because like the logic, the data, the examples are there. And like, you will get to that place where you can, you fully believe, like I am capable of creating anything. Yeah. And I want to be clear, the ego is not the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I look at like my mind as one of my greatest tools. Mm. Um, into the way you described it's like how I actually the creation comes in through my feminine but my mind and like putting the pieces together to go and execute is is like how I end up being successful at creating right so I think the difference though is realizing that the ego wants to keep you safe and when you're going to, up to a big boss and you're about to level up it can feel really unsafe so just recognizing those moments where you might be limiting yourself when you should be leaning in is a, an important way to discern, I think, around the ego. Beautiful. Well, and I think I think that that wraps it up. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. To oh, my talk gosh. About this. I've been waiting for this for ages. I just I love your story. I love the change that you're creating in this world. And I and I think most importantly, I love the inspiration and example, like real world fucking example that you can provide for people. And in your work, in your spiritual work, I know your, your things are happening. You know, the um, somatic breath work and the, these corporate connection opportunities 
if someone had questions for you, wanted to connect with you, how could they do that? Yeah, the best way I am in that creation process. So it's not like I'm offering anything at this moment, but I would love to connect with anybody who, like, if you're in corporate, if you're listening and you're like, I, this resonates and I want to talk to you. I love mentoring people that are just looking to bridge the spiritual and the corporate and like how you can show up as your authentic self. Best way to do that's on Instagram. I'm at the priestess rising. So I'm assuming you can put that in the comments or yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. And I'll say also, if you're listening to this, because I know I actually do have a lot of people, people like, especially the people that I interview, they're like, why are you inviting me on my podcast? There's a lot of professionals that are listening to this. There's a lot of people who aren't working right now that are listening to this. There's a lot of people who have an idea they haven't yet to launch. And so like, it's, it's what I'm realizing is the people who are tuned into this, I think like us, they want to challenge, they're interweaving their sort of creative and spiritual experience with the 3D world. And that is constantly evolving. So if this discussion, this conversation, these ideas resonate amazing, there might be someone you want to share it with and someone that you think, oh my gosh, like my friend in tech is asking these exact same questions. Please forward this episode. (laughs) If you've enjoyed it, definitely feel free to rate it. Apparently that, you know, helps the algorithm. Uh, the big boss man at the end of this particular level let me through. So I would appreciate that. You know where to find me at the BZ channel on all socials. You can email hello at NicoleBZ.com. I think by this is coming out, it will be right after the, I'm calling it the Web3 Basic B guide drops. I am going to be doing some pretty cool stuff at the Anti-Business School. So make sure you sign up for The Loop, which is my monthly newsletter. All of that happens on NicoleBZ.com. That's the end of my shameless plugging. Alden, thank you so much. It's like my absolute pleasure and joy anytime I get to share space with you and have conversations. But I think this was really, 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 really expansive. I think this is this is going to be one that people go back to and listen to a lot. So I think you created something pretty powerful here. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. So thank you. Thanks, girl. Happy to uh, happy to have been able to join you. It's really an honor. Love you. Awesome. And I like, I'm just going to plant this seed too. We're going to do this again at some point, have a catch up and see where, where everything's at on the next level. <laughs> yes. So level eight. Okay. <laughs> eight, eight, 88. 88. Um, yeah. All righty. Well, thank you All so right. much. I love you. I love you listeners and everybody have an amazing rest of your day, week, life, <laughs> and we'll chat soon. <laughs>